Hi, this is Yuri Lowenthal. I play Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the new PS4 Spider-Man game, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider-Talk. I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of AmazingSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining me for a special Amazing Friends episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between a fan and a creator as we look at the Spider-Man video game universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, I said video games because as we wrap up our coverage on Marvel's Spider-Man on the PS4... I thought that it would be prudent to talk to the man who voiced Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and Spider-Cop himself, none other than Yuri Lowenthal. Here at Amazing Spider-Talk, we've made it part of our mission to sit down with many of the voice actors who've voiced the character Spider-Man over the years, including Paul Soles from the 1960s cartoon series and Christopher Daniel Barnes from the 90s animated series. And I think it's safe to say that Yuri Lowenthal is the latest bearer of that torch and will represent the voice of Spider-Man for a new generation of fans. Remember, this episode wouldn't be possible without support from our wonderful Patreon subscribers, whose patronage allows us to assemble the guests we have on the show and do all of our research. If you enjoy the show and want to help us continue while getting amazing bonus content, like the reviews we do of all the new issues of Amazing Spider-Man, or even art in the mail, please go to our show notes and check out our Patreon page and consider joining our team. But I digress. Let's get straight to my interview with the voice of Spider-Man, none other than Yuri Lowenthal. Writing your memoirs? Don't forget the hyphen between spider and man. Well, Yuri, I want to thank you for joining me on the show tonight. Uh, Welcome to the amazing Spider Talk, and uh, I'm so happy to have you here today. Dan, I want to thank you for having a podcast that's all about (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. It's absolutely my pleasure. Um, So speaking of which, let's start things off where I guess like most shows all about Spider-Man would start off, which is to ask you, you know, this is a Spider-Man oriented show. I'm curious to hear about your personal history with Marvel and then more specifically, I guess, Spider-Man as a character. Yeah, I grew up loving superheroes and comic books. Um, and, And when I was that age, I didn't care if it was DC or Marvel, but I would say when I was... I, I would say when I when I was very from from the time I was very young, for me it was it was 
Batman, Superman, Captain America, and Spider-Man. Like those were my four go-to superheroes. And I went through, you know, stages of life where I was more a Marvel guy or more a DC guy. Like I think as, as, you know, as I started to get older, I, I became more of a, a Marvel guy, but there, there are pictures of me, you know, as, as young as maybe three or four already wearing a Spider-Man mask. So I, I kind of wish that I could go back in time and go, Hey kid, <laughs> um, it's going to take a while, but someday you're going to be Spider-Man. I mean, not that he would, you know, he would, A, he would go, oh my God, how did you get in my living room? Um, and, and, <laughs> and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't understand what's going on. But, uh, but this, I mean, this really is a, a dream come true for me. But I, I, I grew up, uh, you know, a, a big nerd, reading a lot of comic books and then, and then collecting comic books as I got older uh, and uh, playing uh, video games and Dungeons and Dragons. I had a very active uh, imagine, imagination landscape. And, uh, but I will say that when I got older, I, I fell out of Spider-Man for a while. So that when we first started working on the game, I it had been a while since I had read like you know recent Spider-Man stories. You know, with the uh, you know the occasional one, somebody would say, "Hey, you know, you should really read what you know Dan Slott is doing or Brian Michael Bendis is doing. This is a really good you know." I pick up here and there, but I didn't. I, I hadn't been following it for a while. So it was, it was really exciting for me to come back to, to something that I had grown up with, you know, a character that had meant so much to me. I will, I will tell you a little story that I only remembered recently. And that is I used to go to this uh, JCC day camp when I was, you know, five or six, maybe seven. And uh, we would, you know, during the summer and we would, We'd go to the pool and we'd spend a lot of day at the pool and they had a high dive. I would always, for, for, for a long time, I would go, I'd climb the ladder on the high dive. I'd get up there. There was, you know, a dude, a camp counselor up there, you know, making sure that we didn't fall off and, you know, crack our skulls open. And, and, and I would walk out to the, to the edge of the high dive and I would stand there for a long time and I'd be like, wow, this looks a lot higher from up here than it did down there. And inevitably I would turn around and I'd creep back, you know, down the, the, the ladder. And, and I, I, did it that, I did it that way for a long time. One day, near the end of the summer, I went out and I got to my usual place and I started to come back. And the guy stopped me and he said, hey, would Spider-Man jump off the high dive? <laughs> Without even thinking, I just walked right back out and I jumped. So, you know, even then, <laughs> you know, he was an inspiration to me. Um, so again, you know, coming back to it, to get to work on this game and to get to be Spider-Man and my own Spider-Man and, and a Spider-Man, you know, telling a story that, uh, you know, Insomniac wanted to tell that they wanted, they wanted to be different than a lot of the Spider-Man stories we had seen in, in media. And to trust me with that, I mean, A, it was, it was nerve wracking uh, to, to have that kind of responsibility. <laughs> Uh, because I worry about that stuff because, because this stuff means so much to me. I don't want to mess it up. So at, at first it was nerve wracking. And then I realized that the whole team were all diehard Spider-Man nerds who had a lot more recent Spider-Man cred than I did. And, you know, Brian Intihar, the, the, the director, the creative director on the game was the biggest spider nerd of all of them. And I realized in, in fairly short order that he was not going to let me fail. It meant too much to him. It meant too much to everybody on the team. So that's probably a long answer to, uh, 
to sort of a shorter question. I have a, I have a deep history uh, with Marvel, uh, and and this meant the world to me. Great. Well, have you have you taken uh, that dive again into the Spider Man that you've missed in the years away from the character? Is is this something that you found yourself? Uh, I, I hate to say this, bit by the bug. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, if, if any, if, if, if you, if you could be allowed to make any terrible jokes and terrible puns, it should be on a Spider-Man co- uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, when talking about Spider-Man, uh, strangely enough, I have, I didn't to prepare myself for the project, but I have since then, uh, it's funny. I started exercising my library card again for the first time in many years. So kids, that library card is still worth something because I go to the library and I check out graphic novels. And, uh, you know, I, I do like, you know, whatever, you know, trade paperbacks they have of Spider-Man runs. And, uh, I just, uh, actually, I just, I just read a really weird, uh, uh, Deadpool Spider-Man run that isn't it romantic, uh, uh, run that, uh, that is super weird. It is uh, very weird. Yeah. Uh, but, but it, it's, it's fun coming back now. Yeah. It is, it is, it has rekindled the fire a bit. That's really sure. fun. I, I, I'm the same way, especially here in Los Angeles, where we both are. The libraries are very well stocked with graphic novels. I don't know if that's just an L.A. thing, but... I don't it, know. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you've had a history in, you know, like American animation, anime, video games, and movies that I detail at the top of the show. I guess I'm curious, with your multifaceted career, how much of a role does voice acting play, I guess, in your kind of like day-to-day, uh, you know, career that you're, you're pushing? I, I would say it's, it's the majority. Uh, while, while I have not, while I don't say no to any type of, you know, acting work, I mean, I still love doing things for, for TV and film and the occasional play. I, voice acting is what pays the bills. Um, and, and what a, what a thing to be able to say, you know, um, it is all, all of that acting, no matter where I'm doing it all comes from the same place, but it is definitely exercising different muscles and, and fulfilling different parts of me. So a lot of people say, well, why don't you just do voice acting now? You don't have to do any of that other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I like that other stuff. And you know, if I, if I don't do a play for a really long time, my body like aches to get on stage again. Or, you know, if I haven't uh, worked on a, a film in a while, like I, I love those things differently, but, but voice acting has been amazing to me. Um, and something that I hadn't even considered when I first came out to Los Angeles, I came out here with, you know, the standard plan of let's go, you know, be a TV movie star. And, you know, that doesn't always work out that way. And it didn't for me. Uh, but luckily, uh, my wife suggested, you know, uh, hey, what's, what are some other things we could do as actors to make money so that while we're, you know, also doing, you know, the secretary work or whatever, you know, to make ends meet, we could be trying to use our acting as, as a job. She said, uh, well, what about voice acting? And it, it was, it was embarrassing that I had not immediately thought of that because I grew up watching cartoons and, you know, both American and, and anime growing up and, and in movies and, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge cinephile and, and, and playing video games. Like I, that's the first thing I should have thought of. And I didn't. Um, but so we, we, I didn't know anything. Like I, it, it didn't even seem like a job that, that a mere mortal could get. Like I figured, well, there are like six people who do that. Right. And then, and that's it. 
But we took a, a class, sort of a basic intro class to, to sort of see what it was all about. And, you know, we just took it from there. And, you know, one little thing led to another little thing. And, it, it, you know, it, it grew over time. And, and, and we both fell in love with this, this new facet of acting. And video games grew and animation grew. And it, there were more jobs to be had. And, and all of a sudden, that was a lot of what we were both doing. Uh, you know, with the occasional little, you know, TV spot or, or whatever in between or commercial in between, it was, it was voice acting and, and I'm okay with that. And I'm sure something like Prince of Persia was a huge, uh, you know, push forward in, in that regard. Oh yeah. That was uh, Prince of Persia was, was big for me. It was, it was not my first video game, but it was definitely early on in my career and it was definitely... Uh, a moment for me, a because people love that game, and, and I love that game because it was so good, um, and it was one of my first sort of lead roles in a game, and and what a game for it, you know, to to, to have that experience on. I mean, hell, they made a movie out of it, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, remind me. So I'm sure someday you and me and Nardeep will have drinks, and I'll, I'll tell you my Jake Gyllenhaal story. But that's that's a story for another time, and I definitely need to be drinking uh, to tell that story. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, Prince of Persia was was great. And in a strange way, sort of, you know, was a prototype for a lot of the, the types of movements that you would see many years later in the Spider-Man game that I'm doing. Oh, you know, absolutely. Wall, wall running and, and, you know, a, a lot of the parkour stuff and everything is, uh, it's crazy how, how, how things uh, come full circle. Well, one of the things I want to be sure to do in an interview like this, especially around uh, like a, a career like voice acting, which I think has a lot of myths surrounding it, mm-hmm. um, especially today where you find a lot of major voice acting roles going to celebrities for marketing purposes rather than to people whose craft is doing voice acting. Right. Um, and I think this is, isn't as much of a problem in video games, but I think it creates this perception that you kind of just, as a voice actor, just show up read a few lines, and that's kind of the end of it. So I guess before we even get well, into all that's what Chris the, Rock told us at the, uh, at the Oscars, right? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and that's probably the most famous and well-publicized behind the scenes of like what voice actors do is today is collect a paycheck, essentially, you know? Right. So uh, to dispel that, can you tell us perhaps what the life and career of a voice actor is like? Like, what do you do on a daily basis in a role like this beyond what we might already assume and, and cashing a paycheck. A- acting, uh, any kind of acting, but, but definitely in the voiceover world, is a constant hustle. I am always auditioning. I'm always trying to meet new people and, and suss out you know, projects and, and help my agent do their job even better. And yeah, and a lot of people think that once they get an agent, oh, phew, now somebody else is going to do that work. No, you still got to keep working. And people could say, well, but now you're, you know, you're Spider-Man or you've, you've done this, or, I mean, I guess they could have said it, you know, after Prince of Persia, um, don't people just call you and say, Hey, will you be in this game? No, I am auditioning all the time and I'm auditioning for games and I'm auditioning for movies and I'm auditioning for, for dubbing and animation and commercials and promos. You might by now be sick and tired of my voice as the, uh, the ABC, uh, comedy promos guy. Oh, I'm the man. guy who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy who's, you know, for the last year or so has been like, uh, tonight on modern family, you know, this and this and that and that, uh, modern family, eight thirty seven thirty central on ABC. Like that's, that's, we gotta, we gotta take a lot of gigs. Um, we can't just 
you know, be Spider-Man for our job um, and then hope that that's enough. Uh, it has been amazing. Don't get me wrong, but, but it's not like I can sit back on my laurels. So I am, in addition to always hustling and looking for the next job, because here's the thing, the job's done now. You know, I mean, we're, we're finishing up the DLC, to be totally honest with you. Um, we've still got a couple more sessions on that to, to finish that out. But I mean, the job is essentially done. We've done all the, the mocap stuff, all the performance capture, all that. And in this business, you don't have like a, like a year-long contract. You're not like, you don't know that you're going to have work for the next year. So when you show up for work, when you're done for work, when you're done with work that day, you're basically fired. Um, you know, or your, your job is over and you have to make sure that you have other stuff in the pipeline. I guess that's a harsh way of looking at it. Yeah, in, in a way. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like any kind of freelance work, really. And especially in the voice acting world, there are a lot of really talented people doing this. And, and if you think I can just go, oh, I'll just, I'll just sit back and people will keep calling. No, they'll call the, you know, if, if I'm not available or if I'm too expensive or, you know, whatever it is, they'll call the next guy. And that next guy is just as talented as me. <laughs> um, so it's not like I can say, yeah, well, you can call him, but, you know, if you really want the good stuff, you get, I mean, no, that, that guy is also just as talented. <laughs> so, so I have to stay on my toes. I have to, I have to keep training. I can't, um, I have to keep my, my body fit because, uh, my, uh, you know, I have to, I have to stay healthy. My, my voice goes like, you know, I just, just like you, I came off, uh, that, that week long cold that was miserable. And the first thing to go when I get a cold, when I get sick is my voice. So I am always fighting to, to stay healthy. There's that, uh, maintaining relationships with people I've worked with before takes time. And then there are the, I, I have found in this business, whether it's voice acting or TV film, whatever, that the actors, especially, it's especially true these days, you didn't have to do this before, but actors who create their own projects and who create their own IPs and tell their own stories and try to get their own stuff produced, because the technology is there that you can do that. You can make your own movies. You can make your own web series. Um, you hook up with the right people. You can make your own video games these days. It really, the, 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 the actors that really stand out and, and make it, in this business are a good actors first, not just people with cool voices and, and B they, they're really motivated to tell stories beyond what they get hired for. So, so these are, so, so my wife and I formed a production company so that we could start, you know, creating our own content and which was also hugely empowering. We're constantly spinning all that all the time. And then you, you got to spend time on yourself uh, relaxing occasionally because so you don't freak out every time you don't have work because that's uh, that's nerve wracking as well. So it is. Uh, yeah, I would like to dispel the myth that it ever gets easy. And, and the only thing that keeps me going because now you know now after hearing me talk about it, you're like, why would you do? This sounds horrible. It's not. I mean, I I love what I do. I love telling stories in in whatever format it is. And that's for people getting into this. I always tell them that I say, you know, I give them a lot of things that, you know, that anybody can do to, to sort of get started, no matter where you live or how much money you have or any of that. And then I say, you know, it's, it's acting first. So, so try some acting, you know, whatever, whether that's at school, whether it's drama class, whether it's local theater, you know, whether it's, you know, making independent movies with your friends or whatever that is, try acting. And if you love it so much that you will, 
suffer through all of the indignities, you know, and all of the hard work and still keep coming back because you love it so much, then, then you've probably got that bug and you've got what it takes to get you through the hard times. Cause there will, there will always be hard times. And, and I have had hard times recently and I'll have hard times again. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't end when you get a, when you get a game like Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, there's a certain amount of enjoying being hungry. Yeah. And enjoying, you know, even if I'm not making any money, even if, you know, if when I'm, when I'm doing, you know, black box basement, you know, uh, experimental theater where there are more people on stage than in the audience and it's literally costing <laughs> money to do the show and I keep coming back every night and I keep auditioning for those shows. There, there's something that feeds me that, you know, in a way that, you know, just showing up for the bucks never will. Yeah, absolutely. So um, speaking of other work that you've done, um, you did previous work for Insomniac's Sunset Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, guess, I'm curious, you know, did that get you in the door for this Spider-Man role? Or was it the kind of thing where it was like Harrison Ford was auditioning, you know, he was in American Graffiti and, and just happened to be around when they were casting Han Solo? Like, was there an audition process for you? Or did they remember you and think this guy would be appropriate for this role. This is an interesting uh, situation because, yeah, I had just uh, worked on Sunset Overdrive with a lot of the same people at Insomniac. And it actually, in the very beginning of the process, hurt my chances. Because except for, you know, my uh, sort of champions at Insomniac, who I'd worked with before, who believed that I could do this, everybody else said, yeah, but he's the Sunset Overdrive guy. And they said, well, he's an actor, uh, we think he can do this. And they're like, but it's different than the Sunset Overdrive character. And they said, well, that's, you know, I mean, an actor will, they can change. We think he has the potential. And they're like, well, we don't want the Sunset Overdrive character. We need somebody. And so, so I think, I, you know, it's the, the stories have gotten uh, hazy over the last three, three or four years. Um, so I don't remember exactly what the deal was, but I, I think there may have even been one or two people cast before me um, that oh. didn't work out for, for some reason. And then there was an audition process that I, I had to start with everybody else. I was auditioning with all the, you know, all the other guys who had played Spider-Man and things before and, you know, new people and, you know, all the people they were looking at. I was in the room, you know, I was, I was auditioning with those guys. And then it just, it, it kept getting, I, so, so I, had the, I had the Sunset Overdrive thing going, working against me to a certain extent. And then I had just uh, come off a play or a midlife crisis, depending on how you look at it, where I, where I, uh, I, I, got, I got a mohawk. So I was showing up to these auditions with a mohawk, <laughs> um, which I guess is great for spider punk, but you know, that's not what they were auditioning right. uh, at the time. Um, so I was like, Oh God, I, and, and the funny thing about it is that four years ago, John Paquette and, and uh, uh, you know, some of the guys from the, the insomniac team came to me and said, look, uh, we're putting our hat in the ring to do this new Marvel Spider-Man game. Uh, we want to shoot or we want to record a, a test scene. So they had written, so John Paquette had written this scene between Spidey and Norman Osborn. And um, he got me and uh, Brian Bloom, who ended up playing Taskmaster in the game, uh, to record this test scene, basically. And, you know, just to, basically as, as Insomniac's audition for the game. They, I, you know, we all knew that the, my having done that scene did not mean 
that I was even going to be considered for the role. It was, you know, it was just a job. I was helping them out. They like working with me. Great. And then, you know, a year went by and then this audition process started going, you know, so you came in and they said, hey, we want to look at you for this. And I came back over and over again for, for auditions, you know, some just vocal and then some on the motion capture stage to see, you know, how I, how I moved and how I, how I acted in a space like that. And then, you know, they just kept whittling it down and I was out there with a bunch of really, you know, up against a really, a bunch of really talented guys. Um, and it could have been any of us, any of us could have come in and knocked out of the park. And I'm, I'm very thankful that it was me. I, I don't, you know, for whatever reason they, they, they chose me. It was great. But, uh, but any of those guys could have done it. And I, I love many of them and work with many of them and, and hang out, uh, you know, and drink with many of them on a regular basis. <laughs> so it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very supportive community, the voice acting community in a way that I, that I have not found in the on-camera community, to be honest. And I, and I love my, my voice actor community and, uh, you know, we'll be up, up against each other again. And, you know, for, for every one that, you know, for this one that I got, there'll be so many that I wish that I got and that, that I won't get, but that's, you know, them stems the breaks. Even in the auditioning process, did they seem to have a very clear idea in mind of what this interpretation of Spider-Man would be like based on the questions and, and things they were having you do? Yeah, I think they had, they already had an idea of what they wanted to do, what they wanted, you know, what Insomniac Spider-Man was going to be. And yet, that said, that character changed and grew over the course of us making the game, just because of the way that the turns the story took and just, you know, what I brought to the character and, you know, when they, when they brought, you know, added additional writers, what those writers, you know, brought to the character. I mean, it wasn't until Ben Arfman, you know, came on uh, as, as another writer that we got Spider Cop, for example. You know, that was not, an, you know, that was not an original, <laughs> you know, idea. that wasn't originally in the script. Um, so, so it's, it's interesting to see how, how a game will change over the, and because it takes so long to make a game, you know, things just change by necessity over time, but they had, they had an idea, uh, you know, they wanted a Spider-Man that had some experience. They didn't want to tell an origin story again. Uh, they wanted a Spider-Man who was wrestling with, with different things, you know, emotionally and, and in his life. Uh, you know, they wanted uh, a different relationship with MJ. They wanted, you know, Spider-Man to be, to have this crisis of, because oftentimes we, we forget that Spider-Man, that, that Peter Parker is a brilliant scientist and he was, he was brilliant that way first before he was Spider-Man. And the idea, and it was one of the things that really excited me about the story when they were talking to me about it early on, they said, look, Spider-Man's at a, at a, at a point in his life where he's, he's starting to wonder if he can if he can't help more people as a scientist than as Spider-Man and is continuing to be Spider-Man, the irresponsible choice for him. And I went, Oh, we, uh, wow. Uh, let's tell this story, you know? So, yeah. um, so it was, it, it's, it, it was, it was exciting to see the character become the character that ended up the one you saw in the game over the course of three years. So what was your reaction like to finally confirming your role as Spider-Man in this game? And I guess, how has that feeling changed as the success of the game has become so apparent? Oh, God, I was so excited to finally be able to say it. Because we had already been working on the game for a couple of years before they even dropped that original trailer with my voice on it. And people who are familiar with my work immediately reached out to me or said, congratulations, or, hey, I just want to confirm that's you. But Insomniac was still sitting on all the names of the cast members. 
So I couldn't say anything. Oh, man. For like a year after that trailer came out. So people, you know, I just had to ignore those questions on Twitter um, because I didn't want to, you know, just out and out lie. It was also hard keeping that under my hat because I wanted to tell the world that I got to wake up every morning and my, you know, I mean, we didn't work every morning. You know, it wasn't an everyday kind of job. You know, we, especially in the beginning, we would, you know, I'd come in, maybe we'd maybe do a, a motion capture session. And then a couple of months later, we'd do another one. I, I wanted to tell the world that was Spider-Man. I like, I, I was, I mean, luckily I could tell my wife because she also ended up, you know, getting a role in the game. But uh, ironically enough, or, or weirdly enough, uh, a character named Yuri, which uh, was still still weird when I have to refer to a character named Yuri, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I'm not, I know it's also my wife is, is still odd. What People are the chances of and, that? You yeah. Know, like, and, and, Yuri's and, a rare enough name. Exactly. And people are like, oh, did they name that character? Because I'm like, no, she's canon. Like, she's from the comics. Like, um, but, uh, wow, I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember where we, did I answer that question? <laughs> sure. I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, how, like, you, you're, you were overjoyed to get the role, but has that feeling changed as the, game, the success of the game has become? Yes. And I'll tell you, I, I alluded to this earlier, I think, a little bit. I spent three years... Uh, worrying if if I was going to screw up Spider-Man for an, a new generation of Spider-Man gamers or, you know, p- consumers of Spider-Man. I had no idea. Well, we thought the game was great. And the more they, the closer we got to the game releasing, the game just kept looking better as opposed to, you know, sometimes you work on a game and you're like, I don't know if this is going to... But then again, we had also felt that way about Sunset. And so, you know, this is Spider-Man, a lot more, you know, in Sunset Overdrive, nobody ever heard of that before. Um... But again, you know, the, the mantle of this character who is so beloved um, and that I cared so much about getting right, it had me you know, pulling out my hair for the last three years until it came out and people said, you know what, you did a good job. I, I was worried until, and I try not to read much in the way of reviews because if you read, the, you know, if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones. And, and I, I just rather sort of, hey, did I have fun doing it? Awesome. Then it was great. But, you know, I have obviously... Uh, you know, people have reached out to me on Twitter and said how much they've enjoyed it and, you know, what it's meant to them and, you know, emotionally how they connected. And I'm thrilled. I could not be more thrilled. I'm so, so proud of this game and the work that everyone did. So I, yeah, even I was excited when I got the role. I was terrified through most of the time I was working on it. And the, all that excitement is, has been dwarfed since, since people have been enjoying it so much. So I have to assume that the next step after getting the role was to really work to refine and define the voices of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Can you speak to this process and how much creativity and input you were allowed in defining that role? And on that note, what were the objectives that Insomniac and Marvel set out for you in, in that regards? That was definitely something we crafted together. Like I mentioned before, they had an idea of what they wanted, um, basically. And that came out in, in the writing and, you know, the, 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 the character they were creating. They wanted, uh, they wanted all the familiar things that people loved about a good Spider-Man story. And, but they wanted it to be a Spider-Man story that nobody had really seen before. So that's a tall order. But I think they, they did a great job. We, we did work on it together, especially in the very beginning. We spent a lot of time. Brian Intahar was in the room a lot. Um, you know, later in the game, he had, he had, you know, bigger fish to fry, but he spent a lot of time and creative directors don't come to sessions. Generally the voiceover director is there and, you know, maybe producer, occasionally a writer. They were very 
loving with this procedure, and it meant a lot to Brian personally. And so he and John Paquette uh, were were in the room a lot, along with the the voice director Chris Zimmerman, um, who also directed on the on the motion capture stage, and dialing in exactly, you know, the Peter that they wanted. And then, and I'm glad that you said the voice for Peter and the voice for Spider-Man because they wanted those voices to be different because Peter talks to Aunt May a, a different way than he would talk to Wilson Fisk. And, and yet when Spider-Man's swinging around and he gets MJ on the phone, it's, it's basically Peter, you know, but, um, so, so we spent a lot of time drawing those, those lines and, they were, Chris Zimmerman was, was very good about, and, and Brian, when he was in the room, being there that if I had a line that was a Spider-Man line and I gave it a little too much Peter or a Peter line that I was a little too Spidey on, that they would say, they would stop me and say, hey, that's, um, remember, it's, it's Spidey, not Peter right now. Because, you know, when, when Peter gets to be Spider-Man, he, he gets to live a whole other, you know, he gets to, he gets to be a different person. It's still always Peter, but he gets to, he gets to act differently and he loves it. So we wanted that, uh, that, that joy and that excitement, but still, you know, the smarts and, and the care, you know, the caring person that, uh, that, that Peter is. So it was, it was in the beginning, it was, it was about dialing that in. It was also, I'm, I'm sure you've read or even noticed you playing the game, uh, that, and, and this was not something that they had decided at the very beginning of the game. This was something, as we were already pretty well into the thick of it, decided to do was this idea that um, because there are some free-roaming elements to the game and they didn't know whether Spidey would be walking around or, you know, perched on, you know, the, the side of a building or swinging, you know, madly through the air, they decided to give a different flavor to those two different kinds of reads. You know, one would be a little more efforted and one would be a little more relaxed and calm. And we had to dial that in too, uh, because I had never, I'd always thought of that. You know, when I, when I would play games, I would, you know, if, if you're in the middle of a fight and it's just a sort of a casual read, you know, it, it always stood out to me, but I always knew, you know, I mean, games, making games is complicated. You can't just have the lots of different reads for, I mean, you never know when it's going to pop up and how do you program that? I mean, this is all, this is all magic to me, you know, even, even today. So, so dialing in, these two different reads at first it was, it was too efforty. And, and the, the notes that, you know, sometimes I would get notes early on that were like, uh, remember he's, he's Spider-Man. It's not, it's not that hard. Um, you're, you're sounding a little, uh, a little constipated. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, we don't want, you know, we don't want Spider-Man to sound constipated, obviously. <laughs> um, so, so we really had to dial in exactly how much efforting was enough to be able to tell the difference. But you know, well, it didn't sound like he was, really working that hard. I mean, this is, this is something he's been doing for a while, uh, but that was exciting for me to, it was a lot more work because to, to get that sound in the booth, I have to move my body around in, in a way that is, if you're just looking at me, I, I must, you know, I look like a crazy person, but hopefully, you know, translated well to, to, to what it sounds like. And it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun in the end, but, but a lot more work for sure. Well, you beat me to a question that I had. Uh, that, that, that was a really amazing thing. And, and I was really kind of interested to hear your opinion on in that regard to, you know, a question I kind of talked about earlier, which is that people don't know much about the behind the scenes of voice acting, but just, re- you know, somebody kind of revealing that one thing very early on, it kind of gave 
players and people who are interested in the game like a big reveal of just how much work goes into voice acting. Can you speak to to that, like what it's like to kind of have people appreciate the behind the scenes effort? I love it. I, you know, it it is. This this is in many ways because you never see the person. You know, when you see you know somebody who's been in movies, you're like you you see them. There's a different kind of connection. But when you hear somebody and you don't really have a a, a face for it, it is easy to to yeah to it's 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 harder to appreciate. I think all that that goes on. Now we have we have a bunch of you know nice bennies from that. You know, we don't have to show up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, in sub-zero temperatures and get makeup and hair done and have to do, you know, rehearsals and, you know, all, all this stuff. And then shoot, shoot all broken up. I mean, you know, voice acting in that respect is, is a cushy deal. You get to stand in a room and, you know, a nice air conditioned room or a warm room, depending on how the weather is outside. Yeah. And you don't have to do all that other stuff, but we also don't get to use our face and our body as a way to help tell the story to you. Um, I mean, unless, you know, we're performing on the, on the performance capture stage, which, which is something that when I first started doing this, I didn't do at all and is, is happening more and more, especially for video games. And they're starting to cast actors in a different way, not just listening to their vocal performance, but how do they perform physically uh, which is exciting for me because I started the theater and that's, it's coming full circle again. And it's, it's been a lot of fun being on a stage working with other actors at the same time, because most of the time I'm just recording solo in, in a booth. But even when I'm behind the mic, I'm acting my heart out and, and I'm moving my body, but still having to keep, you know, in, in front of the mic, um, to, to try to, get that, you know, get whatever it is I'm trying to get across through just the sound of my voice. And then of course, you know, the, the magic and the, 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 the thousands and thousands of hours that, that animators put in after that and, you know, designers and coders and, and the, you know, the musicians, I mean, you know, the music is such a huge part of this game. I, I mean, I basically play city of hope over and over and over, like on a constant loop, like all the time, it just makes me feel better about my life <laughs> and the world all the time. Yeah, a, a lot of, it's, it's, it's still a lot of work. You know, we talked about the work that goes into this as a career, but yeah, even, even just the, the, the acting part, you know, those, those scenes, uh, you know, people talk about, uh, and, and again, I, I have been, I've been gifted with some of the most amazing writing I've ever gotten to work with in any medium on this game. And that makes our jobs as actors so much easier. But, you know, people have talked about, you know, particularly in, in this one, how they connected emotionally to certain scenes. And, and how did we do that? We did that on, you know, on the stage. Like, you know, the scenes with me and May, I'm, I'm there with Nancy Lenari, who played May, and we're looking at each other and we're, we're doing the scene. And, and I'm, I'm there with Bill Salyers um, as Otto Octavius. And, I'm, and, and he is, he's one of the most talented actors I know. And, and I was so lucky to get to, to work with a lot of these people. And, you know, the gift of that writing and getting to work opposite those actors as we do it was why we got those, those types of scenes, you know, why we got those types of performances and was thrilling for me. And I, you know, it's some of the best work I've ever done. Well, you've led me into my next question, was, which was going to be about those two exact scenes. You know, you are, you know, really your, your emotional performance was really something else in, in those scenes. And I don't really, I can't separate, obviously, how much is your face 
performing it. But even just in the voice, you know, Peter is being pushed. And this light spoiler, or maybe even heavy spoilers. Yeah, how spoilery is your is your podcast well, at this point? Well, <laughs> I'll put a warning up. Uh, we've already done a full review of the game, so okay, I think people should expect it. But. Uh, you know, in, in those two particular scenes, you know, in one, Peter is essentially being pushed to a place he's never been pushed before, which is that he might have to kill someone, you know, and and he seems he's like almost ready to do it. Um, and, you know, that that's a character at a breaking point, I guess. I'm curious, like emotionally, how did you get to a place like that to deliver lines with that kind of intent? Well, I will tell you, um, obviously, because we did it this way, I, I don't know how another way would have worked. But if we had been doing it traditionally, and I was just recording my stuff, and Bill was just recording his stuff separately, you know, a week later, or, you know, in another room, and, and Nancy was doing her stuff later, I don't know that we would have gotten those performances. Having those actors looking at me while I was doing it, and hearing their emotion, and, and where their character was, enabled me to, to go to those places. And that's something you, I, th- I think you might only get on, you know, when you, when you have two actors opposite each other acting their hearts out like they, they would on stage or, you know, in, in front of a camera. It's funny. I also, in a weird way, I, my, my, my son is almost two and a half. Um, so he was born during this, during, you know, when I was working on this game. I don't think that and this is something I've only recently come to terms with. I don't think I could have played this role in the way that I did before uh, becoming a, a father. It it is it is opened me up uh, emotionally in a way that I that I, that was not accessible to me before I was. Um, so it is very interesting. It was good timing in that way. And I guess when he's old enough, I'll have to thank him for that. In, you know, in a way that that, that he'll understand later. But it was it was a lot of things coming together at once that I think made that possible. It was the writing, it was those actors, it was the the, the directing and the and the space, the very safe, um, creative space that they created for all of us. There was never any just shut up and do the lines moments, not once uh, throughout the whole process. Uh, it was it was very give and take, and and it was uh, you know as an actor that's not something that we we get everywhere. You know, people have a bottom line and they've got to get a game out on time and they've only got so much money. And, you know, the director's wife left them a day before and, you know, they, they can't separate themselves from their work. You know, I mean, what, you know, it's, it's a million different things. I, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, to Insomniac for creating that type of workspace. And then of course, for doing an amazing job casting, you know, great actors to work with. So it was, it was a lot of things coming together but a lot of things that you shouldn't be surprised, like, oh, wow, really? When you, when you put, uh, you know, good actors and good writing and, uh, you know, money behind a project in a safe space and, you know, time and things. I mean, hopefully you do get something like this, but, but it, uh, it was a very singular experience for me. I don't know if it's that sure of a bet uh, or Hollywood would do it more often. Sure, uh, sure. That's okay. But, <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> but uh, th- that's my way of complimenting you. Uh, not Thank related you. necessarily to your work, but I'm curious to get because I, I, just talking with you, someone who's worked through that scene with Otto, I'm sure many times. You know, I've I really struggled with the scene because 
I feel like Peter's decision in that scene is, is fairly understandable. He he sees this you know twisted father figure and and ultimately says you know like I I'm I'm not going to kill you and I'm not really going to. You know, I, I've run out of empathy to continue on with your plight, and it might cost me in the in the long term. But I, I just can't right. keep this going. But Otto's a little more complicated. He seems to be, you know, both, you know, uh, attacking Peter with the idea of responsibility, while also feeling superior to others. Yeah, but he also expresses the idea that he might be under some kind of mind control before seemingly also maybe casting that aside that it was all a, a ruse. What What is your take on that scene in regards to kind of Otto's final ultimate destiny? I, I, yeah, I, I feel that the whole, Oh, it's controlling my mind is, is still him playing me. Yeah. It's still him playing on, on what he knows the the person that he knows that Peter is. And the only time he would, Honestly, I believe that if he had stopped before he said, and remember, your secret will be safe with me, I think Peter probably would have gone and tried to help him, maybe tried to help him escape, maybe hidden him, protected him, something, because he loves him so much. And even, you know, with that betrayal, I think that if he felt, you know, that he's like, he's like, right, I promised I would never leave you. And, you know, remembering all the good times and then, you know, Octavia fucks it up with that last, he pushes it a little too far and it shows his true colors and, you know, the person that he's become. Now, you know, I, we, we'd all like to believe, I think, that, that Otto, you know, without this degenerative nerve disease and, and, the, and the work that he did and, you know, without the, the, the horrible relationship he's had, um, you know, with, with Norman Osborn and like all the things, that, that he would be just as as, as positive and supporting and loving a person as Peter is. Um, but he's had, a, he's had hard times and then he, you know, he, he messed it up with some of these experiments and, and, and it pushed him too far. It's not, it's not all on Otto, you know, as I don't think Otto chooses to, to be evil. Um, I don't think any villain chooses to be evil. They're just doing what, what they feel they got to do. But it is, it is that last moment I think that breaks it for, for Peter. I think he, I think he almost had Peter back and he messed it up. Yeah. And, and, and Otto, I mean, like even, even eventually we find out that he, you know, has this secret like apartment where he's rounding up supervillains, you know, even before all of this, you know, uh, octopus man stuff, you know, he had greater plans to, to, do something truly dangerous in the city. And yeah. uh, I, I found all that stuff very interesting. You know, Otto's stories are kind of like a dime a dozen. You get like a rare one, like Superior Spider-Man that pushes the character into new territory. And, you know, this this story presents itself from the beginning. It's like, okay, you know, he, we're going to watch him become, you know, Dr. Octopus. But there's so much more to it than that. And I found that really refreshing. Um, Great. That makes me extremely happy. Yeah, and the thing is, is you know, you you know how it's gonna end, and but like any good horror movie, like you know when that guy's gonna jump out. You know that there's gonna be something there, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you know. In fact, it makes it worse. And you know, the suspense is 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 just uh, 
painful, you know, at times because you know, and you see the car crash coming and there's nothing you can do to stop it because you know how this ends. Um, but the details along the way that we hadn't seen before made it, made it that much more riveting. And I'm sure Norman's fall from grace will be equally painful. Right. We can only hope. <laughs> well, Man, so I, yeah, I hope that, you know, I think it's still too early for, for anybody to have come and said, Hey, so Yuri, we've got another game. Like I, I can only imagine they'll do a sequel, you know, between you and me and whoever's listening to this. Um, I can, you know, when, when a game makes money like that and sells that many copies, they're going to want to make another one. But I wish I knew what they had in store. I hope, <laughs> I, you know, I can, I can, I can assume I can, I can hope they'll call me again, but I don't know. I don't know what their next plan is. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll do Superior Spider-Man and they'll want someone with an eviler voice than yours. Exactly. You never know. Um, so back to your work, uh, you know, uh, you expressed this kind of discussion about, like, how much energy and actual, like, physical acting goes into your role. And, and not to out you here, but you're twice the age of Spider-Man in this game. Can yeah, I don't you, think that's a secret. Yeah, can you can you talk about like you know ha, like what what it takes to I guess de-age your voice and I guess like how much the age of Peter really went into the work that you were doing and how how it impacted what you were doing. Well, thankfully, I have a a younger sounding voice. I always have. And when I was a kid, I used to hate it. You know, you hate the sound of your own voice when you hear it played back for you. Sure. But I was like, oh, I sound like a kid. This is horrible. I'll never, people never take me seriously. And then I started this, you know, doing this kind of work and people started hiring me and paying me to, you know, play, you know, 17-year-old, 15-year-old, you know, kids for a living. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is not so bad after all. So, so I didn't really have to do a lot with my voice. I mean, there's I'm, so much of, of, of the Peter that I ended up creating is, is just me. You know, and, and I think maybe, you know, maybe that's what ended up, you know, part of what ended up, you know, getting me cast is they're like, wow, he's got a lot of what I think we want sort of naturally uh, in his in his voice. Um, so that I didn't really have to, to push for that. Um, now, being, you know, 47 or, you know, 40, what was it, 45, 44 when I, when I started, you know, doing this game, um, you know, doing the, the physical stuff, I, I thankfully I have some amazing stunt doubles who, you know, do all the, the, the spidey, spidey stuff. Like whenever, whenever Pete's, Pete's just doing Pete stuff or being awkward and, or whenever Spider-Man's just sort of, you know, standing there in a cut scene or, or walking around and, um, you know, the, the, the curry scene, you know, the, the, the chicken curry scene and, and all that, that's, you know, that's me. But then anytime Spider-Man does something really wicked cool, that's either Ross Constum or Seth Austin, you know, for the most part. Um, Ilram Choi did some of the, you know, like the gameplay stuff early on. I know they recorded a lot of uh, his movements for, for some of the action stuff. But thankfully, in this type of work, I didn't have to show up on a movie set and have them go, oh, God, no, you, you look far too old. You can't, you can't play this role. Or even, you know, I, I never would have made it into the audition room. And that is one of the hugely empowering things about voice acting over other forms of acting is it doesn't matter what I look like, you know, and yet that rules every, every other type of acting. Um, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You, you are going to be looked at and judged. Uh, and, and I was not judged on that. I was judged on the, you know, the, the performance that I gave and not what I looked like. So, so I, I will always have, you know, voice acting to thank for being, you know, that, that blind, um, in that respect. Um, and then for, you know, for something like this, you know, having, you know, getting to work with people who, who, you know, do the stunts and do all the, you know, the parkour and the flipping and all the cool stuff like that. 
to, to then bring their performance and then my performance together, that's, you know, that's how you get Spider-Man. I couldn't have done that on my own. Uh, even if, you know, my voice sounded right, I needed to work with those other people to give you the Spider-Man that you got. When you play the game, I imagine you've played the game, yeah? Uh-huh. Although I'm terrible. Like, I've been, I've been not as, as much a gamer in recent years just because I've been concentrating on other things. And I, I, uh, I, guilt my, I hit myself with massive waves of guilt whenever I start, when I sit down and start playing. I'm like, shouldn't you be working on that script? Or weren't you, didn't you say you were going to, shouldn't you be doing this? Uh, so I, I have played, but I'm like 3% completed right now. I mean, it is, it's exciting and it's fun, but, but it's slow going because I'm terrible. So, so my question is, I guess in that limited amount of time, you know, um, I guess the question would be, what is it like using a controller to manipulate yourself in some way? And are you able to, you know, having worked on the project and been a part of it, like, are you able to see the fantasy of it? Or can you see all the pieces fitting together uh, you, know, you know, as you're playing, you're like, oh, there's my line I recorded. I have a memory surrounding that. Um, you know, cause I could see a version of you where you're like, oh my God, I just heard myself say a line and now I'm flipping over a guy's head and that's really fantastic. Or there's a you where it's like, that was me in a recording room. You know, how much of the fantasy do you get caught up in and, and how much of yourself do you see in that? There, there are two parts to this. Uh, one is that as, as an actor, uh, when I'm playing it um, or watching myself, you know, something I've done or whatever, I, I pick it apart and wonder why anybody cast me and, you know, I probably will never have a job again. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm super critical. I'm like, as, as I'm playing the game, I'm like, oh, they chose that take? Oh, wait, did I not give a better? That was, the, that was what I, I did that? That's so wrong, you know. So... So that's un- unfair, you know, to, um, that's, that's on me. That's, that's me and, and my headspace. But the other answer is there is still magic in it for me. Um, I still get caught up in the fantasy of it. And even though I know, you know, I was on the inside of the process and I sort of know how the story ends, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't come fully together until you're playing it. Um, and, and that I, I could not have foreseen. I didn't, you know, get to see a lot of that stuff until I was playing the game. And a lot of the story really only comes together when all of those elements are joined. And I've even watched, you know, sort of the cutscenes back to back, and you don't get the whole story that way. You have to play the game. So much of the storytelling is, is in, and the character development is in the, the gameplay and in those, those moments while you're playing, you know, in between the cutscenes. So there is still magic in it for me. Um, I can still get lost in it, um, and it's still super fun. Where do you see yourself in the performance the most? I mean, like, Peter Parker doesn't necessarily look like you, but I'm sure he still maintains a lot of the expressions and, and physicality that you expressed when they, you were doing the, the motion capture. Well, like, uh, can you recognize yourself in that person? Uh, in certain moments, Definitely. Uh, little motions or things that that really stuck with me, you know, from the day. There was a to, there was one that stuck out to me the other day, early on when um, when Otto and I have have just completed an, uh, you know an experiment. And he says, "Look, I can't I can't pay you." And I say, "Look, I don't I don't care about that." Um, you know, I, I and and I remember on the day it was it was it's such a beautiful working with Bill Salyers. I, you know, I can't say enough good about this guy. I remember hugging him in the scene, and then. And then he sort of started to pull away. And there was a moment where I wanted to like go back for, 
for more. And I remember feeling that in the moment. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, thinking about it later, I was like, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that usually gets lost in a, you know, in animation or whatever. And I remember seeing it in that cutscene, and it brought back, you know, uh, a lot of emotion and memories because, because Pete, he just, you know, he's, he's, he's been so long without a, without a father figure that he'll, he'll, he'll lit, quite literally in that, in that moment, tried to hold on to it for longer than, you know, than it, it was there for him. So it's exciting to see moments like that. And, those are the moments when I, when I, when I, when I go, Oh good. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. No, that's really nice. As opposed to most of the time when I'm like, Oh, you're a terrible actor, you know, which is <laughs> a horrible thing to say to yourself. One of the things I've always been curious about in regards to voice acting in games is the script. Like there are so many lines and so much dialogue. Like how is something like that formatted? Do you just get a book of context free lines or is someone there literally coaching you line by line through the context of all the recordings you're doing. There is thankfully, because yeah, it is a huge thing and it's very easy to lose track of where you are in the, in the game um, and, and what a lot of these lines mean and how they connect down the line. Cause you don't, you don't, you can't see the bigger picture as, as the actor. Most of the time you can have read the script and they have told you the story, but there's so many little details and side missions and things like that. It's, it's very easy to lose yourself. And that is a big job of the director, Chris Zimmerman, who was, who was always there to answer those questions. Sometimes, you know, John Paquette or Ben Arfman were, you know, were in the room to, to, to provide more context, uh, or they'll often have, you know, a producer, if you know, if another writers can make it there, you know, producer will be there to, to answer those questions. Uh, because yeah, that's not always, uh, a, a lot of my, my scripts just look like one line and there's another line and then there's another line. And I don't even know what the context is or if I'm in a conversation, like I don't have MJ's lines, you know, there, or I don't have, you know, Otto's lines. Uh, so, so yeah, a big part of the, those sessions and the, and the, the director's job is to make sure that I, you know, that the actor has that to work with. I'm just trying to imagine you reading these lines about these chemical puzzles that oh, you're yeah. doing. I'm like, I would have no idea what I was talking about it, without the context of where I was at any given time. Acting. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't always either, but but when it uh, you know when it was important, they were there to save me. Sure, and those are not the most important. Um, one of the things I, I on that related note is I was very tickled by after you beat the game, you can go back to Otto's lab, and if you haven't completed all the puzzles, you go back and you're working on Auto Tech, which doesn't really make much sense narratively, right? Because He's already gone, and why are you working on things in his company? Right, right. But there's dialogue that you recorded where he's like, well, maybe this would have helped out Otto and, and prevented him from you know, losing his mind in some way. I, I guess I'm curious, are, are there any lines that you remember that are, or maybe you know that are in the game that might be obscure things to find that you, you think were really enjoyable in recording? Maybe an Easter egg for us to go back and find hidden things of your work? Uh, well, let's see. I mean... There, I got to give it to Insomniac for their attention to detail on this game that extends not just through little lines like that, but, you know, little visual Easter eggs and just, you know, just the detailed city that they created and, and you know, just and filling it with, with really cool things to, to, to discover and find. Because I haven't played through the entire game and I, and I haven't platinumed this and just, you know, zeroed out all of the, you know, all of my lines that I, uh, that I said... It's hard for me to know sure. in the end what, what even made it into the game. 
I would love some confirmation from somebody because I haven't played. I, it, it, was, it was nice. After a while, I would occasionally you know, do the line as written and then ad-lib some stuff. And you know, more often than not, I mean, I certainly didn't need to. The writing was definitely you know, there. But occasionally I would get inspired. And, and they, were, they were beautiful enough to, to uh, entertain my, uh, th- those moments and occasionally keep them. But I never knew... You know, in the end, because I'm not a you know a part of the you know the, the that that end of production on this game, you know what was kept and what wasn't. I remember uh, uh, ad libbing a line uh, later on in the game, way past you know where I've where I've gone. That that was uh, that came out yippee ki yay, mother spiders, and <laughs> and I was always they said I said you, you you're probably not going to be able to keep that, and they're like I don't know, man, we really like it, but. I don't know if it ever made it into the game or not. I but don't you, remember it, but I, I, I hope it's in there. Yeah, Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Spiders is, uh, it was, was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, God, I hope that makes it into the game. Well, either way, it's now on the podcast. So Excellent. it's recorded in some way for people to hear. Outstanding. Um, so going through this process must have brought you some kind of understanding about the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and... As we've gone through this show, the hundreds of episodes that we've done, I'm like sighing heavily right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we've learned that the character is a bit elusive, which is to, I think, the character's benefit and why he's really stood the test of time. You know, he's the everyman. He's trying to do good, yeah. but he's never perfect. He's responsible, but he's also, also kind of selfish. He seems to defy any kind of easy definition. So I guess I'm curious, what's your understanding of who Peter Parker and Spider-Man are as characters? I think, I think you, 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 know, you, you hit on, on some important uh, things there. Um, and I would add to that, that I think one, one of the reasons why this character has stood the test of time and why he is so beloved is that, you know, he's not, you know, I mean, Batman doesn't worry about the same kind of things that we do, and Superman doesn't worry about the same kind of things. They don't have the same kind of concerns. And they either, you know, they've, they've got money, or they've got this, or they've got that. Peter has always been the guy who, who worries about the same things that, that everybody worries about. You know, how to pay rent, and how to keep his relationship together, and, you know, how to take care of, you know, his, his, his uh, you know, ailing aunt or his, you know, his elderly aunt and um, whether, whether or not people like him or, you know, like all of those things that on a daily basis, I think we all can connect to is, is his bread and butter. And one of the things that, and I, and I know Brian and, and probably John as well have, uh, yeah, John has definitely brought it up in interviews before, so it's, it's not new territory, but they said that something that, that they realized in, in all of their, uh, you know, experiences with Spider-Man and, you know, early, you know, Spider-Man stories before ours is that for, for a good Spider-Man, you know, for, for it to be a good Spider-Man story, A, it has to be a good Peter Parker story. And I, I thank them for realizing that, you know, and putting as much Peter into the game as they, I think you could be tempted to just be like, well, Peter's not that interesting for a video game. Let's mostly make it about Spider-Man because we really know why people want to play this game. But also that in, in good Spider-Man stories, when Peter Parker wins, Spider-Man loses. And when Spider-Man wins, Peter Parker loses. And that's a very important equation to, to, to keep alive. And, and something that I hadn't really rationalized before they said it out loud. And there is a 
God, there's a, there's a vulnerability to, to Peter. He's a superhero, but he is imperfect and he hurts and he doesn't always know the right thing to do. And he's faced with the kind of decisions and the choices that we, we all are um, often. And, and I think these are all things that, that people relate to. But he's fun, you know, and he's, he's funny and he's dumb and, you know, and he's smart. I mean, he's, I, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, how, do you not, how do you not love Peter Parker, you know? One of the things I love so much about this game is just how good-hearted it is. Yeah. Like, like being a good guy and actually being a, like, full-on good guy was moving in a way that I, I don't find often in video games where you somehow have to, you know, create an anti-hero because they're going to beat up someone, right? So they have right. to have an edge in, in some way. And, and Peter is not that guy. I mean, he gets pushed to that extreme, I think, by the end of the game. But my favorite part of the game is a moment very early on where you save this woman on the street and then you encounter her at the feast homeless shelter and she talks about how Spider-Man encouraged her to come there and and she, turn her life around and and I can't even imagine another game where they even took the time to do something like that. Yeah, I they I mean that is Spider-Man and and that is Spider-Man's world and it is something that they 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 definitely were conscious of that when making this game. You know, we didn't need another dark anti-hero um, for this game. Um, and you're right. That's, you know, that's a lot of the, and a lot of the games that I work on are, are, are that. And it was very refreshing, um, to, you know, in the, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't think it was any, I don't think it was any kind of political statement. I think they were just like, Hey, there's a lot of, you know, dark shit happening in the world and just in everybody's lives. Um, you know, and we need a, we need a, a, a ray of light. You know, we need, we need somebody who wants to help and somebody who is not trying to put one over you or, you know, doesn't want something in return. And, um, you know, just, uh, we need some fun and some, some funny and, and some kindness and some vulnerability, which are, which are things that unfortunately, you know, in, in today's world, you know, to a lot of people are, are seen as, as, as weaknesses. And, and I don't think they should be, you know, I, I, I don't believe they are. Um, and I, I believe all those things are, are strengths and are important. And I, I, you know, I, I want people to help each other. And Spider-Man is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I mean, he's, he's there to help. He doesn't, you know, sure, he's, you know, he battles his own demons. And he does what he does because, you know, he's trying to still, you know, right or wrong. But he, he's a guy who does, you know, he always wants to do the right thing. And he may not always do the right thing, but he's always trying to do the right thing. And... Yeah, there's a there's a fun and a kind. I mean, the, down to the, you know the fact that you can you know high five people on the street. I mean, who, you know, you know it's where whereas you know I mean if it were like you know a GTA type game, you know you could shoot somebody in the face in the middle of the street. That's, you know, that's that's that mechanic. And I'm like, can we have a little more of this, please? You know, I like I, you know I like those games as much as anyone, but this was such such a you know uh, uh, just a a loving experience for me that uh, that I, I love that tone for the game. And I love that. And I love that people are responding to it. I love that people are telling me on Twitter, hey, man, you know, I, I cried during this scene. These, you know, that's another thing. You know, so people, you know, don't, don't tell them you cried. Don't, you know, don't show, you know, that's, that's, that's a weakness. People are opening up, you know, in, in public and saying that, that moved me. And, and thank you for, 
for, for, for getting me there, for, for telling that story, for, you know, that reminded me of this, or that gave me the strength to get through this. Games can be more, and, and we can be more as people. And I think this, this game really represents the hashtag be greater. Yeah, and uh, even the, that, tra- that initial trailer kind of said it, where he gets knocked down by the multiple villains and finds his way back up. It, it's literally him pulling himself out of negativity. And I just, yeah. it's really nice. Um, I love Insomniac for making this game, for making that game. You know? Yeah. So uh, last question we ask everybody that we have on our show who's related to Spider-Man in some way is, uh, what does it mean to you personally that you were able to contribute not only to this game, but to the mythos of a character like Spider-Man? I'll never, I'll never be able to put that into words. And my job is literally putting things into words. That is my job. <laughs> um, this is literally something I get paid to do, and I don't think I'll ever be able to find the words that how important this has been to me and uh, what a great honor this has been and, and what a, you know, a career high for me. Uh, this isn't a personal high as a, you know, as an actor, but as a, as a, as an old school nerd uh, that, that I have gotten to do this is uh, yeah. Like I, 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 I really can't, I, I, I haven't yet found the words for it. Well, when you do, uh, we'd love to have you back on to hear them. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, I hope they make a sequel and I can come back on and, and talk about it more. Well, perfect. Uh, so, you know, until then, this is where you get to brag a little bit about what you're doing right now. Where can our listeners find you online and what work do you have upcoming that we should keep our eyes and especially ears open for? Uh, I, uh, you, can, you can find me fairly easily. While, while I'm not always on there because uh, I, get, I get caught up in, in life and, and can't always be there, but I am most easily stalked on, on Twitter um, you can uh, find me at uh, at Yuri Lowenthal. And as far as I, I'm, I'm in the middle of another career high right now. This was a, a banner year for for Yuri Lowenthal. I uh, I'm I'm working on a, a project that I'm also producing uh, called Orbital Redux, which is a live streaming sci-fi adventure show, uh, TV show that is uh, the, through the Nerdist Network, uh, Legendary's uh, um, their digital arm. For for, for uh, well, you know, it's 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 so hard to it's been so hard to explain because people say, well, what do you mean it's live? Well, we we perform it live and it's streamed live as we're performing it. And we're like, well, I, well, it's a sci-fi show. When do you do the special effects? I'm like, we're doing those live. Wow. Like, well, well, when do you? Well, what about the music? Do you put that in? No, we're literally there's a band playing right next to where we're performing. Um, and they're scoring it live and all the sound effects are live and the visual effects are all live and all the cuts that are happening, all the editing is happening live and everything you're seeing, there's, there's no take two, there's no, uh, you know, every episode is one long, uh, nerve wracking take, uh, exciting. Sorry, I didn't mean nerve wracking. I meant exciting, uh, you know, (laughs) exciting. And it has been, you know, that having that and Spider-Man in, in the same year has been I, you know, I, I don't even know how, how that happened. That's a, that's a culmination of a career, you know, a, a lifetime of stuff. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I love genre stuff. I love sci-fi and fantasy and horror. And to get to finally do a, a sci-fi TV show where I play an astronaut and I get to, you know, be on a spaceship and, and do all this stuff is, uh, is, has been fantastic. Um, you can go to orbitalredux.com uh, to, to check it out. And... Um, there's, uh, it's, it's part of the, um, uh, the Nerdist, uh, subscription service uh, called Project Alpha. You can also go to projectalpha.com if, uh, you want to check some things out. But if you sign up, 
uh, and use the code Orbital, uh, you get a 60-day free trial, which shh, is more than enough uh, than uh, more than enough time you'll need to watch the entire you know our, our entire first season of of the show. Uh, we've got two episodes left uh, to go live next Thursday and the following Thursday. Uh, we go live at 5:45 Pacific Standard Time. You know the whole thing takes you know an hour, including pre-show and post-show, and it's super exciting. Um, it's, I've never been a part of anything like it. Yeah, it's it's been honestly because nobody's ever really done quite this before. No, uh, it is hard for me to describe it to people in a way that they walk away going, "I really want to see that" because I understand what you're talking about. Mostly, they're like, "I don't really understand." Um, maybe I'll get to it later, and I'm like, "Later's too late, man. It's it's live." I'm pretty sure I get it. I just I have no idea how you're pulling it off. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I don't I don't know who said this was going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who let us do this, uh, but it's. It's, uh, it's truly uh, an amazing thing that I'm totally in love with. Sounds really super. Well, Yuri, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. It's been a blast having you. Oh, thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate you inviting me. Well, we'll see you next time. You got it. Thank you again to Yuri Lowenthal for joining me on this new episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in for this latest episode. In a couple weeks, we'll be making an announcement about the start of season three of our show. So if you haven't caught up with the first two seasons, there's no better time to do so. Also for our Patreon subscribers, please be sure to check out our Patreon page and your entire podcast feed this week, where we've already got special reviews of the entire Nick Spencer run on Amazing Spider-Man, including this week's upcoming review of Amazing Spider-Man number 10. Remember, there's no better place to join on the Patreon bandwagon than following our exciting coverage of this new run of Amazing Spider-Man. Why wait to get caught up in a few months? Remember, for just $3.99 a month, the price of a new comic, you'll get access to our exclusive new issue reviews, b-book reviews, extended interviews, mailbags, and more. And for $10 or more a month, you'll get access to some awesome commissioned artwork. This time, from none other than Steve Lieber, the artist from the most current issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and also the artist of the awesome Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Also, check out the Untold Talks of Spider-Man podcast, where the guys are now diving into Christmas-themed Spider-Man comics. I mean, what could be better than that for this holiday season? Plus, we've also got the amazing Spider Slack community for you to join. Just check out this episode's description for a link to join our Spider-Man talking community. Get in on all of that action. And if you want to follow my work, why not head over to Twitter and check out my Twitter handle, at SupSpiderTalk. And as we're always sure to remember, our dear Uncle Ben told us, with great podcasts must also come the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.